So what was our assignment this week? Ideas on what? Oh, ideas on growing the charge. Okay. And anybody have a different take on that? That's good. Anybody have a different take on that? Um, because the the way that it works is this. Even though there are non-negotiables in the Bible when it comes to what a church is like, there is also some flexibility. God does allow for some degree of culture and personality and preference. Uh, God allows for that. And so we have to make sure that we cover the non-negotiables. There are some things where God says, I want these things to characterize my church. This is a non-negotiable. Can we take away preaching? Talk to me. Can we take away teaching? Can we take away prayer? Can we take away worship? Can we take away serving? Can we take away fellowship? No. Can we take away evangelism? No. There are some things that are just non-negotiables where God says, if you don't do that, you're not a Christian church. And so there are some things that are non-negotiable. But there are some other things where God says, I will give you liberty in these areas. And so my question to you last week, and Tia is correct, it it does facilitate growth, but the assignment more specifically is that, how would you like for that to look? As we're talking about the kind of church we want to be, how we want to facilitate doing the will of God, growing the church, um, what does that look like to you? And... Uh, I won't ask you for your answers yet, um, but we'll get to that. But we talked last week about how Christ sees the church. When he looks at the church, how he feels about it. We were talking about his heart on last week. And I gave you all 10 things, 10 reasons that the church is just so important to Jesus. And so I want to talk a little bit more about that today. Last week we talked about the church from what standpoint? Does anybody remember? The church was like, the kingdom of God is like, a treasure hidden in the field. Okay. So today, uh, he gives another analogy. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. 
So let's pray, shall we? We ask, dear God, for clarity, for understanding, for the Holy Spirit to impress upon our spirits your word, your will, your heart, O oh God. May we share the heart of your Son. We ask your presence, your blessing, and we just want your will to be done. You to be glorified, your church to be strengthened, and others to be saved. Uh, thank you for the concept of the church. Not a human invention, but something that was ordained of God. And uh, we pray that we may be a part of that work. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And so Jesus... Um, when he talks about the kingdom of heaven, you know that that's his kingdom on earth, that that is the church to which he is referring. And so in Matthew chapter 13, not only does he say the kingdom of heaven is like this treasure. Um, he says it's like a merchant who is seeking fine pearls. And so, what is a merchant? That's a businessman. That's a guy who buys stuff so that he can sell it and make money. Um, there was a guy I worked with years ago. And um, he said, if you do this, I'll give you a nice tip. And of course, your mind comes straight to cash, right? And the favor was done, and he said, here's the tip, buy low and sell high. <laughs> and he was a used car salesman, he had his own used car lot. And that was his tip, buy low and sell high. He would buy cars for the purpose of selling them to somebody else. And so that's what merchants do. This guy, he goes around, he looks for nice pearls and something he can get a nice price for, and he sells them. But something happens. In verse number 46, he says, And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all, everything that he possessed. Everything, uh, all that he had, and bought it. And where does it say he sold it? It doesn't. Because he found this one pearl of such immense value. It was so incredible that he said, I must have it at the expense of everything. And I'm buying this not to sell it. I'm buying it. For myself. That's what makes this parable strange. It is just the opposite of what you would expect. Christ Jesus looks at people like you and says I gotta have you you're worth everything to me 
Um, one of the reasons that we often serve God so poorly is because we can't even fathom love like that. It is hard for us to get it through our heads how much God is into us and how much God loves us. It just doesn't compute. It just doesn't register how important we are. Remember when we talked about the treasure in the field? Here's what it says. And for joy over that treasure, he went and sold everything he had and bought the field. What do you mean for joy? When you're making a deal and you're laughing and like, man, you know, like, I am just so excited about this deal. There's no hesitancy. I, I am just tickled over this deal. It's worth everything that I have. And here's what I'm saying to you. That when God, Jesus Christ, made the decision that I'm going to give everything to have this person. It wasn't a hard decision for him. He was laughing all the way through the transaction. <laughs> I am getting the deal of my life. That's what he thinks about you. Does that compute? Are you able to understand that incredible love that he has for you? So, how do you know he... How do you know he bought it for himself? How do you know he kept it? Look at what it says about his pearl there in Ephesians chapter 5. So, um, here's, a, here's an intimidating line for husbands. Talk about a tall order. Um, he says, husbands... Here's how I want you to love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church. That's a tall order. Because he next says how Christ loved the church. It says, and gave himself gave himself up for her. So, what is this verse saying? This verse is saying, uh, it didn't just cost Christ all that he had. It wasn't just all his possessions. Alright God, how much am I going to have to pay for this? Everything. Oh, and by the way, and it's going to cost you, you, also. It's going to cost you, you. Um, 
And what was his vision? I'm going to sanctify this church. Sanctify. This church is going to be exclusively devoted to me. That's what the word sanctification speaks of. It's, it's not some weird term that makes you some weird person. Sanctified simply means I am reserved for God. That's what it means. No other God. No other purpose for my life except God's purpose. I'm devoted to God. And so She's going to be just mine alone. And it says, having cleansed her by washing of water with the word. And so I'm going to wash and I'm going to wax. I'm going to clean the inside and the outside. Do you see the involvement, the intensity, the anticipation, the excitement? Kind of like... A brand new car. This is just this is this is my car. Gonna wash her with the word. And do you see what it says in verse number twenty-seven? Because I'm planning a wedding. In verse number twenty-seven. That's the marriage that he might present to himself the church. And when it's the wedding day, cool, what a day that is. I have done lots of weddings, and most of them have been weddings where. Everybody is healthy, everybody is happy, everybody is excited, and the bride is looking her best, and the groom is looking his best, and, 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 and everybody is trying to make everything perfect. The caterer, everybody wants everything to be absolutely perfect. And Jesus says, the day is coming when I'm going to present my bride to myself. And he wants us to be ready. On that day, he's looking forward to you being your best. And uh, exclusively devoted to him. Present her um, to himself in all her glory. And so you think that, that that Christ is working on your attitude. Um, just to change you. Just to grow you up. And there's nothing behind it. He is moving you to a state of perfection. And glory. Uh, so, so how good do you want us to be? No spot. I want to be able to look at 
the, the, the whole thing in fine, not even a single spot. No wrinkle. Or any such thing, anything like that. I want everything to be absolutely perfect. I want her to be holy. Just nothing that is unclean, nothing that is unrighteous. Nothing immoral, unethical, and uh, blameless. You know what the word blameless means? It means that there is not a single negative thing that anybody can truthfully say. He has a vision for his church, for his bride. I want her to be sparkling and radiant, and I want her to be absolutely perfect. I did a wedding years ago and the bride wasn't ready. Um, she could handle everything and knew everything and you know what I mean? That childish arrogance. People offered to help her and she didn't need the help and she's got it all together and she's got people and things going on and um, and on the day of her wedding there were people trying to sew garments together here at the church so she could finally start her wedding that started like a couple hours late. Um, bridesmaids with pins in their garments to hold them together and um, she was walking down the aisle and the poor girl was streaming in tears, embarrassed, humiliated on her wedding day because she had not been wise, she had not prepared properly. That's not what Christ wants for you on your wedding day to Him. That's not the kind of church that He wants to have walking down the aisle. Why is the church worth everything to Jesus? Why is he joyfully able to lay down his life and give up everything? And by the way, what did he have to give up?
Why is the church so important to Jesus? Yeah. One reason that it's so important to him is because of the price he paid. Because of the price he paid. The only way that he could afford you is if he had nothing left. So what did he trade? His power, all of it. Did you know that for the duration of his lifetime, he never did a miracle by his own initiation? If he healed somebody, it was because God said, I want you to heal that person. If he fed somebody by turning um, a few fish into a picnic, it was because God said do it. He had no use of any independent power. Even when he was in Luke chapter 4 in the wilderness, starving to death, and the angels had to come and minister to him. Why? Because he would not turn stone into bread. If it cost him his life, he was going to obey. When he was on earth, he had no power of his own that he exercised. He gave it up. What else did he give up? His wealth. Who's the one who created it? According to the book of Colossians, Jesus. And he owned everything in the universe. But he gave it up. He owned everything in heaven. He gave that up. What did he give up? His status. Uh, that's pretty incredible status when you're a god. When you're a king above every king. But he gave up his status. And instead he's a helpless infant. He's a poor person. Um doesn't have proper facilities to be born in. Gave up his status. He had unbroken fellowship with God the Father. They were always, not like this, they were always like this, intertwined. There was unbroken fellowship and harmony and peace throughout all eternity past. And he came to a place where it was going to be the duty of God to turn his back on him. And that's why on the cross he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me. It was incredibly difficult 
for his father to turn his back on him and he endure that. What did he give up? His unblemished, perfect holiness where he was totally, completely separated from sin. You know what the Bible says? He became sin, that he took the sins, all the sins of the world since Adam. Took them on himself and knew what it was like to be a blasphemer, a child molester, a rapist, a wife beater, a murderer, a liar. He became sin and all that he had ever known before was absolute perfection, sinlessness. But your sin he took upon himself. Why is the church so incredibly important to him? Why is he so sensitive about the church? Why is he so concerned about the church? Why is his heart so engulfed in the church? When we pay that much for something, yeah, we're sensitive about it. Why is the church so important? One reason it's so important is because of its uniqueness. They're not two churches. There's only one. There may, there, there may be local representations of the church, but we're all one body. We're all one church universal. How many pearls did he buy? How many? Just one. Just one. He only bought one. There's only one church. And there's nothing else that is like the church. The church stands alone. There's no other entity like the church. There's only one. And we're his one body. So let me ask you a question. Why is your body so valuable to you? Why is your body so worth so much to you? Why is that? And the only one you're ever going to have. <laughs> That's right. You'll never be able to trade this in for another one. If something happens to your body, you do not have a spare. And so you have to guard this one with your life. If you had another 10 bodies sitting on the shelf, yeah, I'll take that parachute jump, no problem. Just for fun. 
nope, it's the only body you have and you're not going to be able to move into another one. And the other reasons uh, we already talked about, uh, we're the embassy of heaven, we're the connection point, we're the representative of eternity. We're the messenger to the lost. Nobody else has the message, only we do. We're the salt of the earth. We're the ones who preserve our society. Uh, the weaker the church gets, the worse society becomes. The stronger the church, the better society becomes. We're the light of the world. We're the ones who have the direction um, we're the ones who are able to help them to navigate their way to God. Nobody else can do that. We're the likeness of Christ. The world experiences Christ by experiencing you. We're the welfare system for the forgotten. And um, why would God rather the church provide welfare than the government? Why is that? Because it's only when it comes through the church that we can say this is happening because God sees you. I'm doing this in the name of God. The government can't do that. United Way can't do that. Only the church can do that. We're the guardian of truth. We're his body. We're his bride. We're the only thing. The church that God is building in the whole world. This is his only project. This is it. So if this is the only thing that has the heart of God, if this is his project, his only thing that he has going on, What does that say about our desire or lack of desire to be a part of it? So, there have been so many times when I've sat on cold bleachers freezing my behind off watching kids do their little kitty sports. <laughs> Going to stuff. Um, why would I do that? Hanging out on college campuses. Why would I do that? going to water parks and um, yeah 
there's that thing where you love something because it's important to someone connected to you. It's important to someone you love and so it becomes important to you. What statement are we making when we are all involved in the church of Jesus Christ? It says that we love Him. It says that we love Him. And someday we'll stand before Him. Will we be able to be convincing? Jesus, I really love you. I know I wasn't interested in what you were most interested in. I was not involved with what you were most involved with. I was not trying to do anything big with what you were obviously trying to do so much with. I mean, you gave your life, so... What I would like to spend my life doing is majoring on what is major to Christ. That's what I would like to spend my life doing. Anything else in my mind should take a back seat. Anything else in my mind should take a back seat. I will not take a job in the secular industry unless I can see some advantage for Christ in that. Would this be a good move for the kingdom? Would this be something good for God's purpose? If there's no good in it for God's purpose, I'm not interested. Um, I think that my relationship with Christ, my fellowship with Christ, my blessing from Christ, I believe that my blessing and fellowship are directly tied to my devotion to His church. I believe that. Um, 
why would I put so much into a little place like this? Why should I let a little place like this dominate my thinking? Because this little place like this, he was willing to pay his life. Because this little place like this, that people look at it and go, well, that's not much of a hole in the wall. Jesus sees it differently. He talked about the washing and no imperfection. He looks at a place like this and he sees not just what it is, but what it can be. And so I spend a lot of time thinking about the church and what it can be. And what my part is and what role I should play and how I can help to make that happen. And I ask you this week to do some thinking about it and to come back today and say, uh, here's the kind of church that I would like to see us have. Here are some things I'd like to see us do. Here's the kind of flavor I would like to see. Um, what is it that would make this place something that Christ would say, man, you're doing good. And by the way, um, I forgot to share my evangelism story this this week. Um, I took my truck to the to the shop to get some work done, and they 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 get you back home with an Uber now. They don't, you know, they used to have a van that drop you off, and now they just call Uber, and Uber takes you home. And this young lady by the name of Jakia, um, and I wanted to engage her in conversation, not because I'm a conversationalist. I don't. I'm not good at carrying conversation, but I'm not going to let that keep me from sharing the gospel. Ask her about herself and what she was into and all that. And she moved here from Florida four months ago, and she's doing Uber. And and uh, ask her if she had found a good church here yet. And of course, that opened the door for me to share the gospel with her. And um, not a long ride from the dealership to my house, but I wanted to spend as much of that time as possible impressing upon her the need for Christ to be in a relationship with Him. And I think that's one of the non-negotiables, of course, that this has to be an evangelical church, that we evangelize, that we share our faith. But what are your ideas? Uh, what are some things you'd like to see us do or be or have as a church? And the reason we ask is because God wants this to be a church that reflects you as well as himself. Um, he gives us flexibility in a lot of things. So what are your dreams for the church? What's your vision? What would be important to you? Or 
Is the church important to you? And of course, if it's not important to you, you're in trouble. Talk to me. Yes, ma'am. Oh, good. Now you can speak from your heart. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I define healthy. What does healthy mean? What does not sick mean? What does not lame mean? Okay, so active. Okay. Energy. Okay. Thank you. Got it. Thank you. Okay. So basically you're saying community volunteerism that is for basically corporate evangelism? Yeah. Okay. So open to sick people, lost people, people from different places. Okay, so open to uh, people who are less welcome elsewhere. Okay. And I think that's something that, that certainly I can work on, try to work on. Um, there was a person yesterday that was in obvious rebellion to God, as far as I can see. And I can't judge that person's heart. They may be a far better Christian than I am, but from outward appearance, it would seem like they are rejecting God. Um, but I certainly wanted to hug that person. I certainly wanted them to feel the love of Christ from me. And so, I, I, I get you. Um, what else? What's important to you? What would you like to see with your church? And I'm looking for specifics. Traditionally, we uh, like I was looking at our house, 
And I see I've so many clothes and shoes and stuff that need to be. But, um, and like a lot of times we bag them up and, you know, just give them away, but we could like do something here where we have a drive here to where people come here and we give them, you know, clothes and let them fix. And like you said, soup kitchen, we could do that here, you know, and bring them over here. So just things that we traditionally like rely on other people for, you know, like you said, like the government, you know, we could donate them the clothes. Or we can just do it ourselves and let them come over here and, you know, be able to pick those photos or whatever. So just more engaging activities that people have to come to the church for. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh-oh, give his clothes away too, right? <laughs> so, so I have now clothes closet um, and just create some space in here. When I'm in here, we're back here with the closet. And we can, and I can take it on, or we can take it on where it's uniform for kids, and then it's business attire, and then it's shoes and such, and then we have it for once a month as a church, which is bringing what we have in our closet. We can also provide for those a tax write-off as part of the business if they want to just write it off, and then just for some who just want to give it, they can just give it and make a donation. Um, and then I also have it down to where, I'm not sure if I haven't checked the church website, but just to create a, a Google phone number where if somebody needs items such as food or clothes, they would text it, and I don't mind it being like a single hour thing where um, with their provision approval, once they text that number, we then call them and we say, hey, we see your text, what do you need of? And if it's food or if it's clothing, we didn't just make that stuff to their home with something like a daily break with the, with the items that they're requiring and give that, uh, give that to them. Good. <laughs> and then I had the food, um, the food truck for the green space. So we just have it out there. Um, and small businesses can come out and bring their food truck and sell their items. And that can also be also for the property, I mean for the church as well. Okay. Good. Okay. Good. Thank you. Who's next? Who's next? What improvements would you like to see here? What would you like to see us do better? What is it that would cause people to want to come to a place like this? And sometimes there are things that people have that are big items like we need to move to another spot that's more inviting or more accommodating or where there's more foot traffic or more kids can reach us by walking or whatever. Sometimes it's stuff like we need to add this ministry or that ministry, this service or that service in terms of uh, helping people. 
It can be that there are things that we need to do not just for the outsiders, but things we need to do for the insiders. A wheelchair ramp. Oh, you mean an indoor wheelchair ramp, not just the outside one? Okay. Okay. Thank you. Other ideas. What would make this a place that would be better for you? More enjoyable for you? Um, more helpful spiritually for you? Yes. Okay. So having a an earlier service for purpose of work flexibility or people's preference, that sort of thing. Okay. Thank you. What else? What else would you like? Okay. So those fellowship events that are okay. Yes. Having um, children's ministries, teen ministries. Okay, what else? Maybe you've seen something at another church. That would be a really good idea. Maybe you've seen something at your job that may be a good idea. Okay, youth sports. Any other ideas? How can we make this the bride that Christ wants it to be? 
How can we make this church strong, vibrant, healthy, the way he wants it to be? Any other ideas? Any other ideas? All right. So, transportation for our members and guests who may need it. Okay. What else? Just what? A missions trip? I think missions trips are wonderful. And I, I'm hoping that we look at Character Camp as a missions trip also, because that's what it really is is a missions trip but even foreign missions um, nothing wrong with those either anything else all right then we'll let you sleep on this for another week and uh, it may be that through the week uh, that God will impress something else upon your heart that as a church, maybe we should be doing this or that or maybe this would be helpful or that. Or, and it can be business practices, uh, how we do business at the church. It can be worship, how we do worship. It can be the greeter ministry, how we interact with visitors. It can be things like that are outside, like let's... Um, Strengthen uh, the outdoor ministry, whether it's the playground, pavilion, or whatever. There's so many uh, things that can be thought about. But we want this church to be an excellent church, one that we can, can feel confident that, yep, I think that Christ would be pleased with this church. It could be that there are classes that we need to have that we don't have or whatever, like classes on how do you manage finances or marriage and family classes or whatever, the sky's the limit. So I would ask that you would, uh, you know the Bible says to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and we're asking you to love him with your mind by just thinking and being of benefit to him mentally through allowing him to use your mind. Anything else?